Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome back to the Sunday session. Looking back at all the games from round nine in the Telstra Premiership, we've got our first triple threat tonight. We've got a returning figure, Nomis. How are you, mate? Very well, thanks. How are you? Good, good. And from reserve grade, caught up for his debut. Pat, how you going, mate? Yeah, I'm good, Matty. Thanks for having me over. Uh, no worries, man. Looking forward to it. So, boys, um, we spoke a little bit before we just hit record, but crazy, crazy round. You know, we started off with two of the premiership heavyweights really stamping their authority to show that it's a league of two at the moment. And we finished yeah. the finished the round with two of the other heavyweights in the comp in the Dragons and the Bulldogs, but I'm sure we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that later. So let's start it up, boys. First game on Thursday uh, at Stadium Australia, the South Sydney Rabbitohs 0, Melbourne Storm 50. And it was the Josh Adokar show. Six tries, first time in 71 years. Pat, how did you see this? Did you, I guess, how did you see this game going in? And then obviously the expectations meet the reality for what happened. So basically from what I saw from the game, I thought, I would never have thought it would be like 50 to zero, like raised the bat at the end of the game. Like I thought it would be at least a respectable scoreline. But, you know, due to like the Souths losing key players such as Latrell, Adam Reynolds, um, Graham, Murray, yeah, Murray as well. Like, yeah, it's it, it would take a lot of toll for them. And obviously it did. And it, the, uh, with the inexperience of um, Dean Hawkins as well, like, oh, Got a feel for the bloke as well, just getting thrusted into that. But, like, he had no choice but to, like, fill in the boots of our Reynolds. But, like you said, yeah, it was the Josh at a car show. And, boy, did he, like, turn them over. He had no answer for him. Yeah, it, it was one of those games where everything Melbourne touched pretty much went to gold. Johnny, I guess we've been talking about it for a couple of pods now. You know, Benji Marshall was brought in by Wayne Bennett. You know, wanted seven to eight good games out of him, you know, around origin, some injuries. He's having to be thrust right in here, and I think Melbourne really exposed him defensively. How do you see it going now? I guess Adam Reynolds probably another two weeks away, but do we need to start really lessening Benji's load for the back end of the season? Yeah, possibly. I mean, going into the season, as you mentioned, you know, Benji was supposed to just be origin cover. He was never meant to be you know, the dominant playmaker in this group. Um, look, if you watch the Bennett press conferences, they haven't been, um, he hasn't been happy with their performances over the past few weeks. And it's just been bubbling along until this happened. I mean, it was just a recipe for disaster. And we saw it in 50 nil. Like, you know, um, everyone, you know, had penciled down the Rabbitohs as, you know, premiership, one of the, you know, top, the big three premiership favorites um, to get blown up by 50 nil. I mean, you know, th- the saying goes, no, no team has ever conceded 50 in a regular season match and gone on to win the premiership. I'm not sure if they're... I feel like it's a bit early to write them off, but, geez, it's, yeah, 50 nil. Yeah, and that, that stat that came out everywhere. Um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's very early on in the season. The Rabbits, like you said, Pat, will get some players coming back here. But it does kind of show there's obviously a problem at the club if you do leak 50. You know, quality on the field is one, one half of it. But like you said, Johnny, they've been lacking in confidence for a couple of weeks now. We all thought after the charity shield, they were just going to run through this competition and really start laying some some teams to the sword. And when you look back, even with the last game of Luttrell uh, against the Tigers there, that wasn't a good performance. They could have been had by the Tigers and a team like the Rabbits should not be in that position. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens moving forward. And like you said, a couple of troops coming back, 
how Origin's going to affect them. So that's definitely one looking from from a rabbit side. But Pat from a Melbourne side spoke a bit about it. Just you know, no Pappenhausen for a couple of weeks now. They've been able to be really easy and resting back into this. What, what is it? Is a foregone conclusion now? We just are we waiting for Melbourne versus Panthers in the grand final, or do you see there being another competitor that can really step up here? I think, in my personal opinion, it's going to go a round two of a Melbourne versus Penrith Panthers final. Um, undisputedly, like those two, like best in the comp, definitely coached well, well drilled, well trained as well. Just classy players, like all over the park. Like, you, like you said, you got Pappenhausen still waiting to come back, and you got players like Nico Hines, like filling in his boots, and he's also putting a shift in as well. So. Definitely, like, both of these squads, like, have massive, like, good depth. And that's probably, like, the key um, factor to have in an NRL team is to have, like, good, solid depth. And also, like, just, like, putting players, like, all these fringe players, like, putting in a shift. So, like, yeah, I definitely can see those two, like, putting in, like, a good grand final show. I'm calling it right now. Yeah, it, it was it was my preseason pick, and it was obviously pretty vanilla pick because they were in the grand final last year. But when you do look at it, like you said, boys, it's just quality, like Melbourne Storm can have Pappenhausen, Hughes, Munster, you know, Grant, uh, Cheese. There's That's just in the spine. Then, you know, you got a guy like Adokara on one wing, Remus Smith possibly the buyer of the season out there. You know, there's just so much. Franco Lee, a rep player from last year, hasn't even played a game. So yeah, I think this is, like we said, so these teams now are starting to really lay platforms down to show what they're going to do the rest of the season. And Melbourne's just showing you that they've got a couple of gears still really defined to make a performance here. Move on to the next game, the other team that we just mentioned there. So the Penrith Panthers hosted the Cronulla Sharks at Blue Bet Stadium in the early game on Friday. And it was the Panthers winning 48-0 in this one. Not really close from the from the get-go. Uh, we've spoken about it the last couple of weeks, Johnny. Uh, the Panthers playing with their food a little bit. In this, t- this game, they really turned it on. I think this was a really, really strong performance, especially from uh, Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. How did you see this one going, mate? Yeah, this one, um, like you said, playing with food. Um, the Panthers, they, they, uh, the scary thing is that they just look like they're in you know, second gear winning these games. Obviously, they haven't. Um, everyone thinks, you know, there's markets on when Penrith are going to have their first loss and people think that might be around 11 against the Rabbitohs, but they just look like in second gear. They, you know, they just know it, what each other's going to throw out. Um Cleary and Luai playing both sides of the field. It's it's just a pleasure to watch. You know, I look forward, I look forward to watching these Penrith games every single week. They're just, you know, that good to watch. Yeah, 100%. And Pat, it's really a key thing to say with the depth that you did mention a while ago there. A guy like James Fisher-Harris came on in the opening 20 minutes and absolutely dominated this game. And they basically kept him off right to the end to just get a couple of runs back in the legs. He was outstanding. That forward pack, he's just strength for strength. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, all you see from that pack is like energy, power, aggression. It's just nonstop, honestly. Like you can like keep moving them back and forth from bench to like starter, and like it still provides the same type of energy. It's honestly like a struggle to even keep up with them. So yeah, it definitely is packing a punch when you got James Fisher Harris like putting in that kind of shift in like 20 minutes in. It's like absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, before before the season, I did think the Panthers four pack may be a little bit depleted from last year. No Tedavano, James Tarmow, 
But when you look at it and what they've done, you know, Spencer Lanou didn't even play this game, but you have guys like Eisenhuth and Liam Martin coming off the bench, just keeping that strength through the middle going forward. And a guy like Tyrone May, who's, th- who's offering a little bit through that middle 13 role that he's playing at the moment, it's just a, such a strong team. And Johnny, obviously, we keep speaking about it. You're the number one in our draft. Com. You've got Captain Cleary has never let you down. Just like you said, a guy like Cleary able to just link up with a Toto, link up with a Staines who got three tries in this game and a consistent Dylan Edwards at the back. It's just there's strength for strength in this team. And barring injury, there's no, you can't not see them getting to the grand final. Yeah, strike right across the park. Um, um, and that's the difference between, you know, these top teams. And then, you know, we can talk about today's lower tier of teams with Dragons and, you know, they, they take time to set up. But with, with Penrith, they can seemingly attack on every single play from, you know, the first tackle right up to the last one. It's, yeah, it's scary. It's kind of a thing, Pat, with some of the poor teams, like Johnny just said, you, they kind of predict where they're going to attack. You know, they need to get that settler in the middle of the field to then open up their left-hand side, whereas the Panthers mm. will just literally hit attack. And, you know, there's a couple of short side plays. The way Lua can quickly link up with Toto and get him on the front foot, it's just a pleasure to watch in terms of, uh, you know, not throwing the block play all the time. Or, like, even that little cheeky Nathan Cleary no-look pass to get uh, Lua on the outside. These are the things that the good teams do. Yeah, 100%. Like, it keeps the game entertaining. And obviously, like, with all these little trick plays, like, the defense have, like, literally none, second to none, like, chance to, like, figure them out, yeah. which also makes them really unpredictable, just like Melbourne as well. That's why they're, like, the top two teams in our comp at the moment. And like you said, like, all these other low, lower sides, lower teams, like, they always do, like, these generic crash plays and all, like, passing out to the wide, to the wingers. Just spice things up a little bit, like try to take these defenses like out of their comfort zone and see where it goes. And clearly these two teams on top like pays well for them. Definitely. Now we'll quickly jump onto the shark side of this one before we do move on. Uh Johnny, we did talk about a couple of weeks ago when John Morris left. That could be a turning point in the season. And, you know, it looks like that's gonna be the case. Sean Johnson coming back from his injury, he's starting to, you know, work his way in. Obviously, a bit of rust on him, but just in terms of this game. Will Kennedy, who had a tremendous start of the season, was really shut down in this game, and the forward pack got decimated here. So where do we see moving forward for the Sharks? Do we think they need to start looking for next season and trying to see what they have in the reserve grade and some of the youth? Or do we just keep plodding along here and aim for an 11th, 12th place finish? Yeah, it's not good when you have uh, Chad Townsend being benched, is it? Yeah. <laughs> With Matt Moylan as your spark. Um, yeah, the signing of what Chad Townsend to North Queensland, that probably doesn't help with the cohesion. Um, Matt Moreland, to his credit, he did look to p- provide a little bit of spark when he when he um, you know went on the field. But yeah, geez, it's it's hard when you're you know you're playing with the interim coach. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I feel like the management have already you know, resigned that you know this isn't the season, and it seems like yeah everyone's just looking forward to next season at the moment. Yeah. We'll move on to the, the second game on Friday. It was my Parramatta Eels hosting the Sydney Roosters from Bankwest Stadium. And Parramatta getting up 31-18 to 18 in this injury-affected, suspension-altering game. Uh, I guess I'll take the lead on this one first. As a Parramatta fan, we never beat the Roosters. I tipped against the Eels in this game. I had no confidence. And you saw even when the Roosters, you know, had the full uh, complement of guys at the start, they did get the jump and were leading 12-10. Uh, but they just, you know, ravaged with injuries. Sam Walker playing hurt. Parramatta, credit to them, they did the job. But Pat, I guess, looking from your end, no no blue and gold goggles on your eyes. How do you see this game playing out from a Parramatta perspective? 
of looking from like the team list to like to the kick off the game, I thought honestly, I thought it would be a little bit more closer. Granted that all right, injuries happened to Radley and Hutchison and also like oh, the big one on Reed Money. I thought like it will be again like a respectable scoreline as well. But I don't know. I feel like had the Roosters had the like main squad, this is sort of like their B team kind mm. of look. Oh, it would have been a bit more closer or a Roosters a little edging of a win. But Parramatta did their job. They got the win, the two points, and yeah, it's on to next week for them. Hundred percent. And Johnny, I guess from from your perspective, like uh, Patrick said, you know we're looking at potentially a second string Roosters team from their one to seventeen, the start of the season to now. It's just so many, so many missing across the park. Where, how do they move forward now, and how does Trent Robinson get them up every week? Because you know a guy like Sadesco was asked to do so much in this team. You saw in this game, he really, really tried, but just couldn't get anything going with the defensive line moving up on him. Yeah, look, I I wouldn't write the Roosters off like I. I know that, you know, Parra won 13 plus. Um, but honestly, without that Dylan Brown try, I can imagine as a Parra fan, you were quite nervous until, you know, that field goal was kicked and, you know, obviously Brown sealed it with that last try. But the Roosters never looked out of it from my perspective. Um, you know, they they are one of those teams. I put them, you know, they're probably just under that sort of Storm and Panthers tier where there's still enough depth in their squad and there's always... Um, there's always strike across the park. You know, you look at their back line, you got Teddy, Tupo, Morris, Manu, Ikevali. Those are all game breakers. Uh, with Sam Walker, you know, when he's fully fit, he's, he's dead set. He's going to be the Dalian rookie of the year, I reckon. Um, yeah, I, I can't write this Roosters team just yet. You know, Victor Radley, you can't understate what value he gives to his team. You know, as soon as Victor Radley's on the park and he's feeding quality ball to um, Sam Walker, you can't write the Roosters off. Yeah, Lachlan I am back next week, so that will help the Hutchison loss. Uh, Billy Smith looks like he's a couple of weeks away from coming back from his off-season shoulder surgery. So they're going to get some truce back. It's just going to be, are we going to hit a point in this season where there's no return for this Rooster side? You know, they're definitely going to make the finals and they might even win a game in the first round. But when it comes up to, you know, them versus the Panthers at Blue Bet or them versus Storm at Amy Park, I guess, is there going to be a competition like we thought and we hope? Or is it going to be, you know, like you said, just that that the golf of quality is going to be too much to kind of pull back there. Pat, just quickly on this one again, Parramatta, I did mention it, you know, Dylan Brown has ex- accepted a three-week ban uh, for his knees. Uh, Murata Niakore has accepted a two-match ban for his shoulder charge. And Reed Marnie looks like he's probably missing next week with the HIA. Next week, they are up there uh, at Magic Round versus the Warriors. With the, those injuries, is it going to change your opinion of if they can get the job done next week, or do you think it just makes it that slightly bit tougher? Well, my opinion, I feel like it's going to make them a little bit more tough to try and get the win against the Warriors, especially after seeing that um, that game against Manly. But we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, losing these key players, yeah, it will it would definitely take a huge toll on them, a big hit, actually. And oh, it's going to be a bit of a ask to see how they can do against the Warriors. But it's not going to be easy, that's for sure, in my opinion. 
Yeah, as a para fan, you know, I think every game's a trap game and we're going to lose every game. <laughs> but, you know, this one, you know, magic round, a couple of key players out, it's going to test our depth. And if we do want to go far in this comp, I guess we do need to see that. So it will be good to see here. Move on to the first game on Saturday. Nomis, this is all you, brother. So we had the at Wagga Wagga, McDonald Park. Uh, the Canberra, the 16, def- defeated by the Newcastle Knights, 24, in a tale of two halves once again. Uh, Raiders now five straight losses outscored in the second half of these games. I think it was 92 to 18 or something ridiculous in the last five. Take the floor. Your Newcastle Knights are back on track. Are you back on Ticker Tech? Uh, look, I'm not I'm not buying the uh, my grand final tickets just yet for the Knights, but uh, it, we, we've been winning ugly. And, you know, the fact that we can come back, I think I was talking to old mate Richard that, uh, last night about the Knights wins. We've got four wins this season. We've actually come from behind every single one, including mm. the dogs in round one. We had a get-out-of-jail-free card against the Warriors with Bradman Best. We did the same with Kenan Ponga against the Sharks. And we did this against a Raiders side who's got, who, like, who knows what's going down in the nation's capital. But as a Knights fan, the fact that we showed effort, that's, I think that's the most pleasing thing. Because, you know, getting thrashed by the um, Roosters at home and understrength Roosters at home, it wasn't good to see. And the fact that the boys here really stepped up and, yeah, we came back from behind 16-0 against, you know, a lot of people were pesting the Raiders' as top four side. It's it's very pleasing. Pat, how do we look at the Raiders this season? Obviously, perennial top four picks all off-season. Some people picking them for the grand final. When we do our tips for the week or we look at the games of who's going to be a good game, do we, need, do we need to start recalculating what we think about the Raiders here? Do we think there's a chance they can come back? Or are they just literally in this 7-12 to 12 range in the comp and that's where they're going to be for the rest of the season? Well, um, in my opinion, I had them as fifth on the ladder at the beginning of the season. But right now, like, they're definitely going to go into some rough patches, like five losses in a row. That's uh, mm-hmm. something's got to give, you know, like something's going to like actually wake them up and say like, hey, we need to actually get some competition points here or otherwise this top eight bit is going to slowly slip away. So... Yeah, it's going to be a it's it's a little bit of a pressure mount cooking up in um, Canberra for Ricky Stewart and his boys, but um, I feel like something's going to turn around, and hopefully it's the next round coming up. Yeah, I think the for me, I'm going to be really just keep my eye on them. You know, I'm not going to tip them with any confidence until Chance is back. I think once they get Nickel Hawkside back at fullback, that'll be my test to now say, you know, we all thought. Johnny, we had the classic talk about can Turbo turn, can one man turn around Manly? And Turbo said yes. Can Chance do a similar thing for the Raiders? Is he just a cohesive gel that locks his team together all the way from the back that he does? So until then, but like coming out of this game, Joe Tarpane, Ryan Sutton, two of your boys, looks like they're going to be on the shelf for a little bit. They're up against the Raiders, and it's going to be an interesting coaching job here from Ricky Stewart. You know, he's one of the best in the comp, but what do you have to see from the Raiders in the next two weeks? Even if they don't get, if they don't get wins, what do you have to see from them moving forward to say they're going to turn a leaf here when Chance is back? Uh, I think, I think a lot of the you know the the drama going the media is that the rotations at the forward pack. What's got what's doing there? You know, Josh Papali did look like he was back to his best. Um, yeah, this past week uh, with I reckon Cor- Corey uh, Haraniro. I'm going to butcher that, but you know, Ch. <laughs> CHN. <laughs> uh, CHN. He, he's been looking good on his edge. And Elliot Whitehead, 
Um, it's going to be interesting who goes into that 13 role for, for the Raiders, but I think, you know, everyone everyone knows that the, there's a lot of mouths to feed at the Raiders, and but they have by far one of the best depths in terms of forwards. In the back note so much, but, you know, as long as their forwards can really step up, um, they, they should be able to have something going there because they've got two quality hearts in the Dally and members, Jack White and George Williams there. Yeah, definitely. And Pat, just finally on this game, from a Newcastle non-fan perspective, how did you rate them in terms of their, I guess, get, getting up here, like you said, uh, like Johnny said, they've come behind against some pretty low competition, but they are getting the wins that they need to get. What do you need to see from them in the next couple of weeks for them to really cement themselves as a top eight team and someone that can do some damage in the finals? Mm, a key factor is consistency. I mean... Amen. Hey, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, yeah, they need to build on from this win, obviously, because, like, the last couple of weeks, well, I'd say this season, actually, they've been hot and cold sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to, like, try to get that key, you know, key plays in, key consistency in, and try to, like, finish out these games like, in a confident way of manner. That, uh, that Sharks game, that was a really close one. I was watching that game with, like, close eyes on it. And when Ponga went on with the line, I was like, oh, it was like a massive relief, wasn't it, Johnny? Oh, man. Like, at home, we, we couldn't do that after losing to the – I think before that, we had lost to Tigers and um, and the Dragons. So, you know, against a Sharks team with an interim coach, like, we, that was a really – we really needed to win that game. And, again, against the Raiders, we really needed to win this one as well. Yeah, we interested yeah, to forward for both teams. I think these two teams are probably for the next couple of weeks – are definitely going to be ones for me that I'm going to keep my own because I then right around that, you know, five to eight range are in the, in the top eight. But, you know, there's a, the Raiders are slowly slipping. Newcastle, like we said, they're inconsistent, but they're getting some wins when they can. So it's going to be interesting to see the next couple of weeks who can kind of take that trajectory move forward for the rest of the season there. We'll move on to the second game from Saturday from Campbelltown Stadium. It was the West Tigers 28, again defeated by the Gold Coast Titans 36. And another real interesting game in terms of both teams really needing it. Both teams were going in the wrong direction. The Tigers just can't get it done at home and the Titans, you know, shoddy defense and all, but they're able to get the win here. Pat, we'll start with you here. The Tigers, let's start with them because I think they're the the more talked about team here, you know. Another Tommy Radonikas tribute game, first game back at Campbelltown and, you know, just got jumped by the Titans. How do you see them moving forward in terms of is Magical Guy the coach by the end of the season? And is a guy like Luke Brooks going to be in the halves for much longer? Oh, two tough questions, but I'll answer them both diligently. Madge, oh, He's, he's been in some sort of hot water, like, recently. He's been all sorts of, like, amounts of pressure over him. I mean, he made a lot of, like, um, choices of dropping informed players or, like, key players here and there, just trying to mix things up. Sometimes it works out for him. Other times it doesn't, more often than not, I'd say. Hmm. Um, do I think he's going to stay at the end of the season? I'd say he won't. Because of um, yeah, I I don't know about these Tigers. They honestly, the last couple of seasons they would always like finish around like tenth or ninth, ninth. mostly ninth. <laughs> yeah, you know the running meme. Yeah, but uh this this season now nah, they've they really are blowing well below from what their um the last couple of seasons were. 
as opposed to. But with Luke Brooks, I just don't think he's the answer. Like, in my opinion, like, I don't think he's the right guy to move them forward. And then they had Mitch Moses back then, and they stuck around with him. So that really bite them in the butt, um, choosing him over Moses, in my opinion. And you got, like, Adam Dewey, his partner. Like, he's putting in, like, more FM, better kicks, better passes and all that. He's more of an attacking threat. I reckon the defensive would be more wary of him than Luke Brooks, in my opinion. So, yeah, there goes my answers for those questions. Yeah, look, Johnny, it's that meme of, you know, this time of the year we always go, the 1-13 to that the Tigers could have if they kept their, all their players, you know, the Tedescos, the Pappenhausens, the Adokars, the Mitch Moses, the Harry uh, the, the whole thing, right? Yeah, consistently, every year we pick Luke Brooks at 7. And, you know... He's a fine player. Don't get me wrong. Like he's a good first grader, but there's, there needs to be a time here. And I think Madge is very close to the end of his, of his tenure now where he just needs to say, who else can I throw in here just for a round to see if it looks different? Cause you know, like Pat said, Adam Dewey having a real crack. Dane Laurie, one of the signings of the season coming over from the Panthers, you know, timeouts coming from the Panthers. He's done an okay job. They, they've got some, you know, Sinny two weeks ago played really well. Not really great this week. BJ Lelewis looked great for two weeks. So, there's things building that they can do, but if the number seven is just not giving uh, top-level performances or even, like, you know, you look at uh, a Brisbane, and we'll talk about them soon, Pat, but, you know, we could have we could have stayed on the Brody Croft experience all year. We could have done that, but we gave Tyson Campbell a go. And, you know, when you look at, you know, who's more talented, Brody Croft probably is more talented, but Tyson Campbell has a go, and the guys believe in him. So whether that's now going to be, you know, if you throw a Jock Madden, Jock Madden in the number seven jersey for the Tigers, it might be the same thing, but you just got to try to find out. And that's why I respect Kevy because at least Kevy had a crack at it and wanted to see what's happening, whereas Madge is just kind of sticking firm and picking the same. So that's what my long way of saying. I picked them for the spoon before the season. I still think they're going to be right down the bottom, um, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they pull themselves out here because he did make a comment to say that he's going to start looking at his reserve grade side very soon to see who can bring up. So I am interested to see if the number seven jersey is involved in that. Nom, the Titans. The Dave Feeder show, you know, didn't have a great game in this one. You know, broke, broke away, set up a try, but we need to be more than just the Dave Feeder show, don't we? What, what do you need to see from a... Who needs to step up here? Ash Taylor was dropped. Tanner Boyd came in. Is this the type of thing you want to see from Justin Holbrook to get this Titans team humming? It's down to one individual player at the Titans. I feel like it, their attack... Their attack is scintillating. You know, they're, they're entertaining team to watch, but it's defense is what they're lacking here. So that, I think that's right across the park. Um, conceding 28 to this Tigers team, probably, you know, that's not going to get you into the finals. No. And I'll, just on a super coach perspective, I know they have the Panthers next week. And, you know, the Panthers, <laughs> Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, they'll be licking their lips at, uh, at taking on this Titans side. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a defense, really. Attack wise, I don't think anything needs to change. Um, you saw their tries, it's a lot of razzle dazzle there, but yeah, it's just defense, really. Yeah, they've got that really nice play now where they, you know, off the kickoff, Jared yeah. Wallace or the prop will go one out to AJ Brimson, really hitting that line hard. I love that. that that's nice, yeah. you know. Tanner Boyd, his kicking game in this one was really nice. I liked that, you know, he looked a bit more composed than Ash Taylor. But like you've always said, it's this defense. You know, if you're leaking 28 to a Tiger side who's coming second last, 
against a good team like you've seen and like they'll verse next week with the Panthers, they'll get carved up. Pat, I guess talking about Ash Taylor very quickly, you know, he was from your he was from your um, neck of the woods there. And he moved on to the Titans after a game and he's now been dropped for the second time in his career. Do you think that he's when his contract is up, what team do you think he should go to and what type of role, you know, who should he have next to him as a player to really bring the best out of him? Ooh, Ash Taylor. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's right. He was from my team, the Broncos, and he moved to the Titans. But oof, to get dropped twice in his career, yeah, that sends alarm bells and red flags, in my opinion. In terms of team, to try to revive his career pretty quick, oof, I'd say... Hmm. Does it need to be a top four side, I guess? Does it, need, does it need to be one of the heavyweights? Or can he walk into a team, you know in that 5 to 10 region and, you know, kind of lift his game up there? I feel like something like a team, sort of like the Raiders or the Knights, some sort of like middle okay. fold, um, fifth to six or sorry, six to eight um, type of team. To have someone on his half's partner, just someone who's like more constructive, more structured, and then let him like, you know, ease off his pressure a little bit, not do a lot of things too much, like not a lot of having... Um, things on his mind. It's like play simple and do all the simple stuff, all the easy work. Yeah, beautiful. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next game, boys. It was the Cowboys hosting the Broncos at Queensland Country Bank Stadium with the Cowboys getting up 19 to 18. So, Pat, you're the resident Brisbane fan on this podcast. So talk me through how you saw the game and how do you think your boys went? Yeah, I honestly, my opinion towards the end of the game, I was like, you know what, I, I couldn't be that mad besides the scoreline, but I couldn't be mad of the effort that they put in, the shift that they put in. These these last two weeks, like I thought that they were gonna lose, honestly. Well, they did lose last um yeah, last night, but to lose only by that much mm-hmm. by a field goal, never nonetheless, against the Cowboys again. Shout out to twenty fifteen. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly I'm not that mad to be honest. And I thought I would be like paid off from it. But my Roosters mates, he was like telling me like, dude, your guys like did pretty well in like the first half. It was just the, the laps in the second half towards the back end, you know, letting, oh, letting Tom Malloy, that big body frame, like running through the middle. Yeah, you're asking for a lot of trouble if he's going to run all over, all over your like defense like that all the time. So yeah, they cracked us. And oof, honestly, like that Tyson Gamble um, forward pass, I was like, oh, Surely it was flat on, but like showing up on the replay, the slow-mo, I was like, yeah, that was flowing, uh, floating forward. So, yeah, I can't be too mad about that. But it was just that one little error that could have changed the outcome of the game. So, yeah, it is what it is. We take it on the chin and um, we lost Paddy Carrigan as well. That was a big loss for us. Uh, an loss. ACL That's injury, I uh, think it was reported, right? Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a big loss that it actually stings that, we lost him and also lost the game as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nom, it's a point there, right? Like the, the the bad teams that are trying to get back up into that top tier, you know, you've got to take your lumps and, you know, our game like that, you should close out, but, you know, it could be just that one error, you know, that one forward pass that gets put through. But the Broncos are building, you know, Kevin's come in here, he's got to do a job. Um, how did you see the Broncos, I guess, from weeks ago getting, getting pumped by the storm at Amy Park 
now starting to round in some performances, obviously taking out that Parramatta at Darwin. We're starting to see some consistent footy again from the Brisbane Broncos is exactly what they want to see. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what you want to see from your team. Um, I understand where you're coming from, Pat. You just want to see effort in your team and that's what you're getting now, you know, as opposed to the 2020 Broncos where, um, you know, second halves, they were just getting blown out off the park. Um, you know, shout to Tyson Campbell. He, he looks like he's a, He's a good uh, steadying influence on this team, along with Anthony Milford. And then Tavita Pangai Jr., he's having you know, career best form again. You know, he's not he's not getting suspended. He's putting his hand up for origin. You know, not sure if Freddie's going to answer that call, but, you know, he's he's doing well out on the edge. I can put my hand up for origin, mate. I'm not going to get picked. Yeah. I just need to put it down. Me and too, Freddie. Some- <laughs> they can play some good footy for Brisbane first. Um, the Cowboys, Nom, just throwing back to you there. Valentine Holmes, another heroic effort to get them there. Um, very Pat spoke about it very, yeah, Pat spoke about it very quick there. Tom Malolo, my boy from draft, played over 70 minutes in this game, 20 runs, 220 metres. This is, I know Todd Payton was saying, you know, we want to ease him in here. He's got a long contract. But this is the Tom Malolo we need to see for the Cowboys to perform. Yeah, it's, it's a scary uh, prospect from a super coach perspective, having Tom Malolo doing 70 minutes. Uh, but yeah, this uh, this Cowboys team, there are four wins now. So they've you know, really turned their season around. I think they were you know, 0 from 4 to start the season and to have, oh, top of my head, they would have won you know, the majority of the past few games. Um, yeah, props to them. The, Todd Payton has you know, turned this, this side around very slowly, but um, Paul you know, Maguire, he's he left the Cowboys when they didn't have a win, and now he's gone to the Dragons, where I think they've got the first win with Maguire there. So um, yeah, this Cowboys team is it's looking up. All right, and two two quick points. I'll finish with Patty here. So the first one, the Cole Felt try, Inspector Gadget. I think they called it on the on the commentary. I don't know how he got it down. Um, what did you think about that try? Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty freaky. I'd say like. I'd say, like, the closest thing to, like, that kind of try I, I would see from my own eyes was, like, Corey Oates' freakish tries over the years. I, I have no idea how he managed to put it down and with the grip on ball as well. It was, yeah. like, my jaw literally just dropped. I'm, like, I can't believe he just did this. And, of course, it's Carl Felt against the Broncos as well. It has, Always had to be him. Against us. It had to be him. It had to be him. Always felt on that wing. Yeah, and last one for you, Paddy. The Xavier Coates uh, news was announced. He's signed a two-year deal with the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Another one of your prodigal boys moving down. Um, How big of a loss is it? Tell us from a Brisbane fan perspective who's watched every minute of every game, how big is it that he's left and, you know, what's he going to do when he goes down to Melbourne? Oh, I can't tell you, like, how much of a bigger loss it is. Like, we've already lost, like, young players such as, like, Dearden, O'Sullivan, Reese Walsh, Coates now. I mean, there's something very wrong internally at the Broncos that these young prospects, these young up-and-coming stars, like they want to move on from the Broncos and to a side that they actually want to gain minutes or even want to try and win a comp, which I don't blame them. Like it is like a kind of like a short career and you never know like when you're going to play your last game due to like all these horrific injuries. But as a Broncos perspective, like it's a big loss for us and a massive coup for the Melbourne Storm next season. I mean, looking at Coates for the last, I think, two seasons, ever since he got his debut against the, the Sharks, 
when I saw him catching those two bombs and one of them was a try, I was like, well, this kid, he could be the next big thing. You know, he's got pace for a winger. That's always what you needed. And aerial threat as well. And, of course, he has his um, defensive lapses, like, in capabilities. But, like, that's that's normal. You will learn from that, and especially with a coach like Craig Bellamy, a master tactician as well. He's going to turn this raw talent into, like, something, like, superstar freakish material right there. Just like how he's doing with Remus Smith. Like, absolutely good buys for the yeah. Storm. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That- Melbourne have a good track record with uh, turning wingers into uh, just superstars, aren't they? And it's ridiculous yeah, that, you know, Adokar gone and Xavier Coast are in. Like, what a swap. Like, you lose one representative, you get another one back. So, Melbourne doing Melbourne things. But, you know, we'll finish that with the, the Broncos. They lose another one. But, you know, the performances are going to turn around, which is exactly what you want to see from, as a Brisbane fan. Move on to the second last game of the round, the first Sunday game from Lotto Land. Probably the game of the round when you really look at the competitiveness and the scoreline. Manly 38 defeated the New Zealand Warriors 32 in another Tom Travojevic show. Nom, we spoke about it. Surely one man can't do it. He's bloody doing it. He's just, you know, an absolute freak. I think two tries, three assists, five line breaks. What what can't the man do? What a performance. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't catch much of this, but yeah, um, Turbo just... Headline of the uh, of the match. He's uh he's pretty much involved in every single thing. I, I you know I caught I caught some glimpses and highlights when I was out today. But geez, he's he's just strong, powerful. He just he's just got his hands on every single thing they do. Um, yeah, this man is just uh, a crazy footballer. Pat, it's just one of those things where you know you have like a DCE and a foreign controlling your halves. You have his brother Jake in the middle, but when Turbo just steps on that field, there's just a, a presence on him. And you know, he actually bombed a couple of tries. So he could have even had you know even more assists. But the way he runs the ball, the way he just you know stalks around the play of the ball, you love to see it because there's just such so much talent that he has when he is on the field. Yeah, definitely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with the both of you. Like Turbo, like Turbo Tom. Like honestly, he is honestly like Mister Manly at this point. I thought I was just watching um, Trebojevic versus the Warriors. That's all I'm seeing, like, on my screen. Like, wow. He had his hand up on everything, like you guys said. Like, all these tries, tries, assists. My favorite try, in my opinion, it wasn't even a try. It was like a try assist from him. His um, quickness to catch the ball and quickly, like, to cut out over to Jason Saab. That, yeah. in, like, a matter of, like, seconds or even milliseconds, it was, like, absolutely amazing. To have it catched on his chest as well from a 15-meter distance... That's like pinpoint accuracy right there. And that's honestly like the best type of like fullback fullback you can have in a team. Someone who can actually terrify defenses, keeps them second guessing, and honestly like makes them like triple team, like double team, triple team him. Like obviously like it'll create spaces on the wide. And obviously that's what happened this afternoon. So yeah. yeah. You look at a guy like Jason Saab who had a real rough start of the season, looked like he was in there dropped. And since Turbo's back, he's just lighting it up on the try scoring list. So he's just do- he's doing it all. And like you said, he's Mister Manly right now. When he doesn't play, they don't win. When they when he plays, they win well. And I think that's just the that there's no other way to st- to say it now. You know, it looks like he's going to play Origin. That's all about shooting in now. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be in that New South Wales team, which is a huge boost to the Blues. Uh, but moving on to the to the new sorry to the Warriors side here. 
They had Chanel Harris-Devita come in, so Reese Walsh went back to the bench, Pat. Um, I guess Nathan Brown now needs to work out what's the best way to move here. Do we leave two of us to check out fullback for the season? Do we move him back to the wing and Walsh back to fullback? What do you see when Nathan Brown tinkering with this side? Do we, do we want to give Reese Walsh as many minutes as possible right now, or do we want to ease him in through the bench and you know cover some injuries when they, ha- when they pop up? Oh, in my opinion, like the guy started like a house on fire when he first got thrusted into the starting side. But I get where he's coming from, like putting him on the bench. You probably don't want to burn him out. That's why I put Chanel Harris Tavita on the field, which was honestly like both surprising and not surprising at the same time when I first saw the um the updated lineups. But with a guy like Reese Walsh, I feel like in like due time, like obviously next season with um RTS leaving, he'll obviously take the mantle. He'll take the field for sure. He'll be in the starting side, starting 13. But with um, Nathan Brown, I reckon it's just um, you just got to man manage him well, make sure he doesn't get burned out, and like ease him into the um, side again. But when he starts, oh, that guy's so informed. Like, I'm absolutely filthy that the Broncos let him go. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going back to the Broncos, but yeah. that guy had like such good talent. Like, I was watching a bit of his highlights from Queensland Cup and all that. It was like, oh. It was absolutely scintillating to watch. I joined C. Yeah, definitely. Nom, the Warriors will get Adam Fanula Blake and Ewan Aker back possibly as early as next week. Moving forward, Harris Davida's back in the fold as well. This is a side that could really make a late season push and move into the finals contention. What do you see with from them moving forward? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Adam Fanula Blake, he's he's gonna be a um a big boost to his side. Um I love what I'm seeing from Josh Curran as well. You know, um he's He's a front rower with, or not front rower, but he's a four with, you know, he's, he's got a good pass on him as well. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a huge plus for this Warriors pack. They can definitely, I can definitely see them making a push for the eight. Um, just on that, Reese Walsh, um, prettiest man in the league. Am, am I right, boys? <laughs> he's, oh. got, he's got the, the, I already the eyelashes. I own the fan club, mate. He's my, he's, my, he's my crush already, so you have to get off that club because I'm already on it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but um, with with Roger Tua Vasasek, uh, I've seen what what he's been doing. He's been jumping into five eight, but surely you can't dislodge Roger. You know, Roger needs to be in the fullback position. I'm not only saying that, you know, from a super coach perspective, but you know, you can't have your best player wasted on the wing against. You know, we saw what happened in Melbourne. He got you know um, dusted up by by the uh, the fox there, but um, just. I feel like they need to keep um, Roger at the back end with uh, Reese Walsh. He, he's a bit of a defensive liability at the moment, I feel. So, you know, limiting his minutes, having impact when, you know, the forwards are tied, I think that's probably the best way to use him right now. Yeah, definitely. All right, boys, we're at the main event. It was the game of the round. They saved it for us on a Sunday either on Mother's Day. And I don't think anyone watched it. If they did, I'm sorry that you did. It was one of those, you know, I love the NRL and I try and watch every single game and I try and watch every single minute, but there are some games I just don't want to watch. This was one of them. So I did tune in anyway because I'm a professional and I like my footy, but this was a tough watch. Let's start with you, Pat. The Dogs, you know, I'm not going to worry about the Dragons. They got, they, got to, they got to win against the Dogs. You know, they did their job. They could do what they needed to do. Kyle Flanagan, the star signing for this, for this team, Bench at half time and bench for Lachlan Lewis, who we've we've seen countless times and we know the answer on Lachlan Lewis already. 
we saw that this may be a transition year to move into next year for Trent Barrett and his attacking prowess into this side. But we're starting to see some real regression here and no improvements from this pit, from this Bulldog side. What, what are you seeing from the Bulldogs moving forward for the next couple of weeks after a couple of performances like this? Bulldogs, um, where do I begin with them? Uh, after wins like against the Sharks, the surprise win, I was like, Ooh, maybe they can build something here. Like, all right, yeah, they won't make the eight. Like, it's obviously a re- like a recovery season. It's a rebuild season for them. But for Trent Barrett's side, this it's not a good look for them when you have guys like Carl Flanagan, like having an absolute stink on, getting dropped, and having like Lockham Lewis like to come on to take over from his duties. I feel like Trent Barrett probably like saw this coming. So he might have had like X-ray vision. That's why I had him on the bench, but. It's, it's not looking bright at all colours for um, Bulldogs um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I actually, like, I'll pull my hand up. I actually fell asleep on the second half. So it says a lot when things aren't going well for them. Yeah, yeah. me both, Pat. I think I fell asleep uh, just around the halftime mark. Uh, not sure if it's the, the Bulldogs or might not sure if that's coming from the Dragons because I remember the Dragons last Sunday game, I uh, fell asleep against the Tigers as well. But um, yeah, sticking with this Bulldog side, uh, I mean, if there was one shining light to come out of this game, I think it was um, from, oh, who was their big bopper, number 13? Um, he had some footwork and he looked Corey very powerful. Ah, uh, no, not Corey Waddell. Um, was it? Ah, uh, Renu Atoni. Oh, he okay. looked he looked really oh. good. Um, you know, he 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 look, almost looked like a Raymond Fatal Mariner. You know, if anything was coming from attack, it would have been coming from him. But yeah, other than that, not much to uh really take out if I was Trent Barrett from this game. No, and it's you know, again, the off-season signings they did, you know, Nick Kotrick on big money, Corey Allen from the Rabbits hasn't really fired, got injured in this game. Carl Flanagan came over on big money, got dropped. You know, their fullback rotation of Nick Meany and Dallin Martins Lesniak, probably one of the bottom ones in the comp. You know, their forward pack, Luke Thompson is back and having a real dig, but the other guys around him, you know, not really there. It's just a real tough season for the dogs. And I feel bad for their fans because they've got some real passionate fans that really like to let their voice be known. And there's some real dis- disgruntled fans right now looking at these performances. But quickly from a dragon side, like I said, they did get the win. Corey Norman had a good game here. Ben Hunt had a good game as well. Uh, but moving forward here, you know, we're just going to have to see them against some quality sides, really, you know, try and fire because they started the season really well. They got some scalps that they didn't really deserve to get, but they're able to get them. And now they've got to string some swings together here. You know, Matt Dufty's off, off contract at the end of the season, so it's a huge uh, run home for him. Zach Lomax, when he comes back from his thumb, you know, he'll be pushing for, you know, game two and three of origin and try and break into that side. So there's some individual plays in this uh, Dragon side that I really like. That's going to have some big end of the seasons um, to really kickstart their, you know, next season, their next contract or, you know, their representative future. So uh, Hook's got a big couple of weeks here because it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how they perform. And we'll get a very good opportunity to see it next week against Melbourne at Magic Round. And that'll be a huge test. Um, and we'll know exactly where they are. You know, are they going to be a team to lose 48-0 or are they going to put in a bit of an effort and, you know, make it a competitive game? So 
that's what I'll be looking for from a Dragons perspective there. And we'll leave it there, boys. Thanks for tr- thanks for coming on the podcast. Pat, you did really well on debut, mate. We'll have to call you back in for another round. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Norris, Matt. Thanks for having me, guys. No, no worries. And Nom, pleasure as always, mate. Insightful as always. Pleasure. And thanks for tuning in, guys. You'll hear from us a couple of times this week. We'll have our TLT. We just posted our New South Wales predicted team. We'll have a Queensland one as well with Chris. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great day and hear from you soon. Cheers.